is called purifying or purifying power. And let me tell you something. When God begins a purifying work in us, he does a purifying work in us. Amen? Amen. Now, I was given some uh, instruction uh, this evening as I was sitting back in the back. We've got to be done by 8.45 a.m. Isn't that right, Jim? You only have enough oxygen for 8.45 a.m., right? Or did you say p.m.? P- oh. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, i gotta, I got to uh, cancel about all my notes for tonight. <clears throat> anyway, you're lucky it's only one page tonight. I'd like to pray. Father... We love you. We praise your name. And Lord, we thank you for the mercy that you've shown to us. And the glory we will one day see as we enter your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and in our lives. Father, one day we are going to stare at you face to face. One day... Words will not be able to explain what you put into us here. And we thank you for that. Purify us, O God. Search our hearts. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Teach us in the only way that you can through your word. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share my heart, to share what you've given to me my life. And Father, we look forward to seeing you move and work in each one of our hearts, in each one of our lives, because each one of us has a part in the harvest. Each one of us has a part in the gathering. The question is, are we playing our part? Are we allowing God to use us in our anointing, in our calling, in our gifts, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in our faith? Are we allowing God to touch our hearts and move in our lives and through our lives? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Has anybody ever said, holy. You're a holy girl, a holy guy. You're a holy woman. Has anybody ever said that to you? I'm not sure if anybody's ever said that to me. Maybe they've thought about it. Maybe they just haven't said it. But you know what? If you know Jesus Christ, you are holy. Because when he looks down on you, he doesn't look, he does not look at the sinner that once was. He looks at the saint that is. You may look in the mirror every morning, 
and, and not see that saint. But the only one that matters does. And that's God himself. And when he sees your sainthood, you know what he sees? He doesn't really see you. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, starting in verse, um, I'm going to start in verse 13. I'm going to read several passages. This is not my message. This is a precursor to the message. Therefore, verse 13, chapter 1 in 1 Peter. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. What a wonderful opportunity we have to do that. The Word of God. I'll use this as my prop. That's what I'll use this as. We have the Word of God to instruct us, to prepare us for action. It says, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace of to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ when we get there. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the be like or but like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior, because it is written You shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen. He wouldn't say that if we weren't. He wouldn't have said that if we couldn't become more as we grow in Christ. How do we do that? Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual service. That's our opportunity. Don't conform to the world. Conform to Him. How? By the renewing of your mind, the Word of God. Has anybody ever been in prison? That's a rhetorical question because I don't. If you have, I don't feel it's none of my business. I, I don't need to know that. <clears throat> but I'll tell you something. If you haven't been in the real prison, we've all been in the spiritual prison. We were all lost, but now we're saved, right? Amen. I heard some head shaking, so I I, I got those who didn't say anything. Everybody's going yeah. We have all been in that prison. We have all been in chain, in chain, enslaved. We've all been there. How many of us have been on death row? Now, I don't think anybody in here has, so you can raise your hand if you want. I've been on death row, because if you're in prison, if you're lost, you will experience separation from God. You will go to hell. Those are the only two options we have, ladies and gentlemen. My message title tonight is Purifying Power. 
And I want us to turn in our Bibles to 1 John. Chapter 2. Starting in verse, I want us to start in verse 18, but I want us to really start in um, 2.13 or 2.15. It says this, do not... <clears throat> Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. Starting in verse 25. This is the promise which he made himself, that he himself made to us eternal life. He has promised that to his children. He has promised that to his saints. He has promised that not to the world, but to us, the Christian. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you, about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, verse 28. Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who has who has practiced righteousness, is born of him. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we'll go through verse 11. I know I read a lot of scripture. When I get up here to speak, I do read a lot of scripture because a lot of times we don't get a chance. If, we only, if I only read one verse, that's all we'd hear tonight. And I want to I get the whole context of what the word is trying to say to us. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And ladies and gentlemen, I am looking so forward to that, seeing him as he is. I've got a brother that's already there hooping and hollering. I saw him in his last days. He couldn't even get off his sick bed, his deathbed, his rest bed, I should say. Because he's, he's having a fun time up in glory, worshiping Jesus Christ. I am looking forward to that opportunity and that chance. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. 
The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Amen? God bless the reading of his word. I did have an outline that I was going to pass out, but it didn't get here in time. So I apologize for that. Purifying power. There was a candy company up in Pennsylvania called Purity Candy Company. How many of you? (laughs) Dumb question. It doesn't have to be rhetorical. You can raise your hand, your feet, anything you want. It doesn't matter because I know most of us like chocolate. I love chocolate. You like chocolate? This was called Purity Candy Company. And they worked in conjunction with a small Methodist church up in Pennsylvania. And every um, Easter and Christmas for the month before each, each holiday, that little church would buy a whole bunch of chocolate from Purity Candy Company. And they would make little pretzels, little long pretzels about, about, the, about the size of about maybe four or five inches long, those thin pencil long pretzels, about that big around, covered in chocolate. They used to also make caramel covered, or chocolate covered caramel. I love caramel. Not the hard caramel, but the soft, chewy caramel where it gets stuck between your teeth. You have to get a toothpick to pull it out. Then when you see it on the toothpick, you slide it right off the toothpick. That's gross, isn't it? <clears throat> it's gross if you, if you do it off of somebody else's toothpick. If you're doing it off your own toothpick, it ain't. Anyway, we, we, used to, we used to buy enough chocolate candy during those times of holiday because we used to send them to friends and family. And when we lived down here, Yolanda's mother would send them to us. And we, she would send us, or when we were up there, we would buy, I mean, you know, not literally tons, but we would buy enough to last us for three days. I mean, a ton of, of chocolate. It, didn't, it lasted us four days, so, you know, we weren't like pigs, but that chocolate was the best, purest tasting chocolate I had ever had in my life. Well, the church, the people at the church that were doing this got old and retired, and there was no younger people to come in and follow up and do the, do the deal every year, so they don't do it anymore. And you can't get the good deals at Purity Candy Company that you could at the church. They don't do the same thing at the, at the candy company. But it was the best chocolate candy I have ever had in my life. You've, you've, got, you've all got a chocolate thing. Some like dark chocolate, some like light chocolate. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Purity Candy Company was the place to go. Purity. My first point here. Is purity a work that God does? 
purity, a work that God does. I looked up the word purity, and it means something that has, hasn't been tainted morally or physically. Freedom from adulteration and or contamination. So it's pure. Y'all, you've all seen white snow, beautiful white snow on the, on the, maybe not on the streets, but on the mountainsides and all that. It's just pure. Just pure. That's the kind of work God does in our lives. The first point I want to make is he purifies, he purifies our hearts through redemption. He redeemed us. He redeemed me. He redeems us. That word redeemed, I looked up that word too, and I've looked it up before in the past, but it means to buy back, to, to repossess, regain possession of. And it, it, it's, a, it's a, a long Greek word. If Jakey was here, I'd, ask, I'd spell it for him, and he could probably pronounce it. But it always has the intent for freedom. So when I was redeemed, my prison door was open. Was it yours? My prison door was open. I was free. I became a free man. I, I didn't know the truth. I didn't know all of it. I just knew, man, I wanted to get saved. You know what brought me to the, to the cross? I did not want to go to hell. I believed in heaven and hell all my life. I was raised in church. But that's what, it scared me. I did not want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. I just knew it was going to be better than where I was or where I was going. It's a buyback. He bought me back. He regained possession of me with the intent to make me free. You know, of all the things I've done in my life, and I think I shared this with Dominic the other day, of all the things I've done in my life, there's only two things that have lasted most of my life so far. And I say most because my life's not over yet. My faith in Christ, my walk with the Lord, and my marriage. Those are the two things that have lasted. My faith being the, the longer of the two. 44 years I've been saved. 40 years I've been married. This year. Woo! This year. 40 years. <clears throat> it was love at first fright. Love on my love at first sight on my end. Love at first fright maybe on Yolanda's. But I tell you what, when I, when I met her, I fell in love with her. But you know what the weird thing was? I'd never heard that name before, Yolanda. That night, I had to ask her three times, what, her, what was your name again? What was your name? The third time, you know what she did? She took a pen out of her purse. She took my hand. This is a true story. She took my hand and she wrote her name on my hand. And you know what? I looked at it. I didn't wash my hand for a month. I never forgot her name after that. I've never, never called her by another name in our marriage, ever. But purity, he purifies our hearts through redemption. 
He also purifies them through reconciliation, through his rescue. He empowers us. He purifies our hearts through the power that he gives us. All power has been given to me, he says in Matthew, that we may go. We have Jesus. We have his power. And that's cool. It's amazing. In Titus chapter 2, it says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself to people, or himself, a people, that's us, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Are we eager to do what is good? My next question should be, are we willing to do what is good? If he puts something in front of us, we're able to. He's given us that opportunity to do this. Are we willing to follow, to do this? He purifies our hearts by faith. Y'all have faith? I've got faith. You know, since I've been here in the last two years, my faith has grown literally, exponentially. Not just, not, it didn't just double. It's, it's magnified. It's multiplied many times. <clears throat> I've been a pastor for, uh, since 1996, 1996. And I've never, never, I know we shouldn't always go by our feelings, but I have never felt the power and the presence of God in any other church. I've only been here a little over two years, me and my wife. I've never felt the presence or the power of God like I feel that here in this congregation. I mean that with all my heart. He purifies, purifies our hearts by faith. He, uh, in Acts 9.15, he says, He made no distinction between us. Paul's talking here. Or John is talking here. Between us, the Jewish Christians. I used to call them completed Jews. Now I call them Messianic Jews. That's basically what they are. Between us and them. Them is the Gentile Christians. For he purified their hearts by what? By faith. He purifies our hearts by confession of sin. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, some, all, some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Now, when I first learned this verse, that was basically one of the first verses I I learned because I needed to know that. I needed to have that one in my repertoire of memory verses. But when I say it a lot of times, I say, if I confess my sin, sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive me of all my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. I do that with a lot of verses. And I make it personal. Personal, isn't it? 
it really hits home when you're talking about you. It really hits home when you're talking about your life, your heart. Purity is not only a work that God does. Purity is a work that we do. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13-17. I think I read that a minute ago. In fact, I'm not going to read it because i got another verse I want to read. Purity is a work. If you're taking notes, purity is a work that we do. The first point I want to make is we purify ourselves by not contaminating our body and spirit. We choose what we put in it, don't we? We choose what food we eat. We choose... I'm not talking about chocolate here, folks. But we choose what we eat. We choose what we drink. We choose what we listen to. We choose what we read. We choose what we speak. We don't always choose what we smell because we just might be running right into something. But we choose those things that we can choose, don't we? We purify ourselves by not contaminating our body. How do we do that? How do we not contaminate? First of all, we decide what we're going to put in our bodies. Now, we all need to eat, but we can eat healthy. We don't have to eat as much chocolate, but we can eat healthy in our life. We can choose what we put in our spirit, what we put in through our eye gates and our ear gates. The last several months when Rich was in the hospital, all he listened to was scripture. That's all he ever had on was scripture. It was on a loop. He had like three or four, in his little CD player, he had, I think, three or four CDs. Nothing but scripture. And in the last, maybe, well, he did that for a long time. But in the last month or two, all he had were healing scriptures. And make no mistake, he is healed. He is total. what we hear, what we do, what we think. In 2 Corinthians, it says this. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. You have to read that verse a couple times, seriously, to get it. You have to think about that verse. You have to, that's a verse that you meditate on to get it. And you know, when you're meditating on the Word of God, God is going to give you what He wants you to have. He's going to give you the meaning that you need to have for that verse, for that passage of Scripture. We purify our body by not contaminating our body and spirit. Letting go and let God. That's I, I wrote that as a little note out to the side. Let go and let God. We've all heard that, haven't we? Usually with Billy Graham doing an invitation. Let go and let God. Come forward. Let go and let God. While all that I am is playing in the background. Let go and let God. 
not contaminate. You know, when I think about this passage of Scripture, I think about Olympians, athletes, I mean professional-type athletes. They get rid of stuff that is going to slow them down any which way. Skaters, for instance, speed skaters that go around this loop 40 or 50 times or 100 times, however many miles they have to do, they wear a polyurethane or some kind of glossy plastic or some kind of material that looks like their body. I mean, it's so sucked onto their body, it's like a spray. Because they don't want anything causing friction when they're running, when they're skating around that track. All you can see is this right here. Everything else is plastic. And all their, their endorsements and, and all that kind of stuff is on there. They gotta make money somehow. Swimmers, Olympic swimmers or competitive swimmers. This is a true story. I heard somebody say this once, a professional swimmer. Maybe it was Greg Luganis or whoever. He used to shave his body, shave the hair off his arms, his chest, his legs. Shave his body so he, the water wouldn't, the hair on his body wouldn't, wouldn't, have, wouldn't slow him down any. You know, when you think of an athlete also, and I think of, of uh, football players. You know, they're wearing all this stuff. They don't care how slow they are as long as they're getting the job done. But you try to talk to them, they are so mentally into it, they don't even know you're there. They just got to know a snoot full of smelling salts. All they want to do is kill, tackle, maim, break the opponent. And then when you have two teams doing it, you can't even, get a, you can't even talk to them. They walk around ready to hit helmets and all that kind of stuff. It's what you put in is what's going to come out. It's going to, that activity is going to come out on the football field, isn't it? What are you going to put in? When you put this in, the activity that's in here that it says that we need to accomplish in our lives is going to be harvested, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We purify ourselves by obeying the truth, the word of God. First Peter one twenty two says, "Now that you have, uh, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart." First Peter one twenty two. We purify ourselves by walking in the. Jesus walked totally in the light, didn't he? Are we walking in the light? Now, sometimes the light that he gives us is maybe this far. Sometimes he gives us a vision way out here. We can see something out there. We know it's out there. We know God's calling us to it. But then the first couple steps, he's got to lead us. He's got to guide us. I made this point in a, a, a way back um, when I had this similar message. And... I walked down the aisle. We had a cross in the church in the back of the aisle. Now, the aisles, to me at the time, didn't seem to be this wide. And so what I did was I focused on the cross, but I had people set around, and, and I had them pull me away from the walk straight down the aisle. 
pull me off course. That happens a lot, doesn't it? We have a lot of stuff going, in our, going on in our lives. When we start walking toward that light, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out at us. A lot of stuff takes, doesn't take control of us necessarily. I hope it doesn't. We have control of that. But it can take a hold of us. It can draw our attention, can it? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that we think about a lot. Wars and rumors of wars, I, I, I think about a lot. I don't dwell on it too much because I know it's happening. I know it's, it's, it's happening around the world. But one thing I do know, that God is in control. Say that. God is, oh, come on. I know there's only about 30 or 40 of you out here. God, all right, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? you absolutely believe it? Okay, I'm done. We walk in the light. John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. Man, purifies us. There's that word again. I bet you haven't said that word this many times in one night or heard this, that word as many times in one night in a long time, huh? We purify ourselves by coming near to God. How do we do that? We spend time with God, don't we? When I met my wife, Yolanda, after I memorized her name, I wanted to be around her all the time. I wanted to, I called her every day. Back in, back in 79, 1979, they really had phone booths back then. I lived in an apartment complex, and it was exactly a half a mile from my apartment where I lived in the complex to the 7-Eleven. And you know what they had at the 7-Eleven? A phone booth. And it wasn't one of those phone booths where you close the door. It was one of those where it was half, and then the glass was and you could sit and you could stand. You know, you you weren't inside a room. I used to call her 10 cents. Ten cents, and uh, talked to her, and we spoke two, three hours. I'd call her when I got back from school because I was in college at the time, and I'd get home from school and walk up because I walked to school and I, and I had to walk fifty miles uphill in the snow to school. I'm kidding. I only had to walk about uh, maybe a quarter of a mile to school is where the university was, <clears throat> so I would walk over to the 7-Eleven about 3 or 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd be there at 8 o'clock. God called me into the mission field then as a, a student missionary. And it was my with uh, Southern Baptist Convention here in Jacksonville. And so they sent me, in an, well, they had about 50, 50, team, 50 uh, college students. And so they sent us to different parts of Florida and South Georgia to different ministries, different churches. So me and the, the person that he met, uh, that I met there, he wasn't from around here. I met him when I got there. We met in Tampa, and we were at a church in Tampa, Baptist church, that we were going to plant a church one summer. And her parent, now Yolanda's from Pennsylvania, so she lived up in Pennsylvania, and then she moved down here to go to college. And this is where I met her. So 
when I was in Tampa, I used to call her collect. And her daddy asked her, what, $300 last month for phone bills? Because I would call her collect. Because she, she told me to. I do what I'm told. I'm a missionary. You give me a break. I was working for food at the time and bored. But I wanted to be around her. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to hear her voice. Are we experiencing God like that? Are we desiring, I mean, thinking, wanting to be that close? To our groom. Because we are the what? We are the bride. Spotless. Spotless bride. I am a spot part of the spotless bride. So we, we will be out of here by quarter to nine. I promise you. No, no I'm, I'm kidding. we got a few minutes. This, this number, letter C. Purify. Purity, a work that is completed. Jesus said in John 19, verse 30, he said three words. It is finished. You know, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are perfect and you are complete in him. That's what the Bible says. I'm perfect and complete. In Jesus Christ. But there's also a downside. Purity is a work that is destroyed by sin. When we start getting sidetracked, when we start unfollowing Him, it's a computer idiom, isn't it? Unfollow. Isn't that, isn't that a word they use in like for Facebook and stuff? Whatever. Unfriend, unfollow, whatever. I don't even. Do, I, I do. You know, I don't even really get involved in it too much. Destroyed by sin, children of God do not continue to sin. Now that what that means is we don't continue to live in sin. We may fall and stumble occasionally, don't we all? Chocolate, come on, chocolate. But we all stumble, we all fall, we all make mistakes. But First John 1, side, uh, 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't live in that attitude. We don't live in that sinful spirit any longer. We don't abide in that world any longer. We abide in Christ. We abide in the Spirit of God. We stumble. We fall. We make bad choices in life sometimes. Children of God do not continue in sin, in a lifestyle of sin. When we live in Him, we do not continue to sin. In our lives, in our nature, in nature, in in the lives around us. When we have known Him, we do not continue to sin. We have a personal, intimate relationship with God. 
part of the, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to teach, to convict, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. Are we susceptible? Are we accepting of his of, of his uh, correction? And finally, purity is a necessity to see God. It's a necessity. We need to have. We need to be focused. We need to have our eyes on Christ. You know, if we're living the redeemed life, and I, I was going to say this earlier when I was up at the redeemed part up here at the top. When we are living a redeemed life, people, I mean, really living for Christ, people will do one of four things. Dominic, tell me if I'm wrong when I say these four things. Maybe there's more. I don't know. I just picked four out of my, just on my mind. When we're living the redeemed, holy spiritual life that we're that we should be living people will either avoid you right they will either they will argue with you some will argue with you their point of view is always right remember that right they will argue with you they will some will agree with you they will shake their head in agreement they will give you assent to what you're saying. And the, the group that I like, well, I like the agree group too, because you know they're they're always encouraging. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but this is the group that I like. Those that will walk in faith with you. Those that will that have a mindset of service. Those who have not necessarily a calling to the global mission field, but have a desire to see people saved. That have a desire to want their friends and their relatives to come to know Christ. Are we, are you, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. Are we living? Are we walking that purified life? Father, thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit living in us, leading us and guiding us. And I just want to lift up each and every person here today, Lord. If there's a dragon in their life, if there's a struggle that they're having, I pray that you would Give them the courage and the strength and the faith to stomp that dragon down in Jesus' name. Because we need to remember we're not going into this battle alone. We have you. We're behind you, Lord. You are leading us into battle. We have you in our hearts, Lord. We have the armor of God that we have access to. Father, as we go tonight, I pray that each person here will come out of here with a, a, a thought process or a, 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 an idea to get through an issue or a struggle that they're having. 
Lord, we lift up those that are in the hospital, or those that are going to the hospital for surgeries or biopsies or whatever, whatever it is they're doing. Uh, I, I ask that you all would pray for my wife. She, has, she gets wicked sinus infections, and I, I just lift her up right now, that you would touch her also. Father, we love you. We praise you. And, Lord, we look forward to seeing and feeling the breakthrough that we're expecting here at First Assembly. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.